All right, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Philly getting set to take on Steph Curry and the NBA-leading Golden State Warriors Saturday on primetime on ABC. Joining me to preview that, also we'll touch on some other things. A man who will be a part of the NBA Countdown crew alongside Stephen A. Smith, Mike Greenberg, and of course the legendary Michael Wilbon. Also has his own show along ESPN alongside David Jacoby, and he hosts the podcast Renaissance Man for the New York Post. Of course, also had a long and successful NBA career as well. Don't want to forget that. Mr. Jalen Rose. Is there anything you don't do, Jalen, that we can get get into at this point? Right <laughs> we give the people what they want. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the love. You know what? I feel like we should just end the podcast right there because when I hear you do that daily on ESPN, it, it pumps me up. <laughs> it pumps me up as well. Um, as I mentioned, you, you'll be a part of the crew covering the game between the Sixers and Warriors. Uh, Philly coming off an ugly loss to Utah 118-96 at home on Thursday, now sitting at 14-12 and 12 on the season. Jalen, you're looking at this squad, started off 8-2, and two, got killed by COVID-related absences. Of course, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, had some injuries to guys like Seth Curry, Danny Green. We've seen Tyrese Maxey miss some time as well. When you look at what the Sixers, mm-hmm. where the Sixers are in the Eastern Conference pecking order, what do you think they have to do to get back to where they were to start the season? I like to gauge success by realistic expectations. And the Sixers did an amazing job of overcoming the process, so to speak, to becoming a number one seed last year. Joel Embiid, I think I had him maybe fourth in the MVP conversation. And over the past couple of seasons, Ben Simmons became an all NBA caliber player. They wanted to take it to the next level. And in order to do that, you bring in Doc Rivers, you bring in Daryl Morey. So what has to happen right there is, and I talked about this a a, a few years ago when we launched Get Up. We were breaking down the Sixers. And I was like, I'm no fool. I understand the potential and the greatness of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. But I was like, for them both to maximize their games, they occupy the same space on the floor. Um, if, especially if Ben is going to be the quote-unquote point guard. You can't have your um, your initial ball handler, the guy that's initiating the offense, if he's not attempting shots outside of the paint and the strength of his game is his power, is his ability to finish at the hoop, is his defensive prowess and to get out in transition. And Joel's, is 17 to 18 feet on the left block, can turn over both shoulders, can jab and go one-on-one, can shoot the three. The most powerful dominant big man in the league. But those puzzle pieces to maximize their games just don't fit in order for me, in my opinion, for them to actually like get to the finals. And so if you look at the landscape of the East, The Toronto Raptors win the East, win the championship. The Heat win the East, lose to the Lakers, lose to the Lakers. Um, The Bucks win the East, win the championship. Then all of a sudden the Nets get a big three. The Miami Heat are still there. And now you look at the Eastern Conference standings and the Celtics also belong in this conversation because both the, the Sixers and the Celtics when they had their treasure chest of assets, in particular, when you hit on Tatum and then you hit on Brown 
and the Sixers miss on faults, that was their chance to reinvest in their team and cash those assets to now keep them in position because they made three or four Eastern Conference finals. So I look at Philly and Boston as two teams that have a Jason Tatum and a Jalen Brown and a Joel Embiid and a Ben Simmons who currently isn't playing, but yet they're falling in the Eastern Conference standings overall as it relates to the championship pitcher and not rising. And now with Ben Simmons not playing, it ultimately is going to hamstring their goals. Yeah, Jalen, I want, I want to jump into obviously the Ben Simmons drama uh, in a little bit here, but I wanted to ask you that. You're, you're mentioning when you're looking at the roster construction, the Sixers really haven't had a, a perimeter guy who can close since they lost uh, well, signed and traded Jimmy Butler back in 2019. But when you're looking at what Doc Rivers is, is running in terms of his rotations, does a lot of five men on with the starters, five men on with the bench unit. They've gotten in trouble where some nights the starters are playing really well. The bench guys come in, they don't deliver or vice versa. Is there any way that Doc, just given the personnel that he has right now, can help rectify that at all? Or is this going to be an ongoing issue until they make some changes to, to their lineup? Basketball, obviously, team game. NBA winning at the highest level. That's when your best players, your all-NBA performers, your all-stars have to now perform at an elite level to take you there. So there are a couple of different ways we see it happen in today's game. You see um, players teaming up to form a super team, so to speak, kind of like this happening with the Nets. Or you see a player like Giannis, who's able to lift a team like the Bucks, who people felt like Chris Middleton couldn't be the second best player on a championship caliber team. So there's two different ways to do it. The Golden State Warriors are just an anomaly. They, they've been able to reinvent themselves without Kevin Durant, and that's because of the same thing. They have Steph Curry. So for Philly, they need Joel Embiid to be Giannis. They need him to be Steph Curry in this equation. Now, he can be that for his game, but just he's going to have health challenges. He's a big man. He's dealt with a lot of injuries. And so he's just not going to be available to you 82 games or maybe even 72, right? And so when you're going to miss him 15 games throughout the regular season, and a couple of years Philly made it to the playoffs, he missed game one because of injuries. And so really – that's one way. The other way is clearly to have Ben Simmons in uniform playing with Joel and both of them leading like they did last year to a number one seed. But then something happened. Another team in the East upset the apple cart, the Atlanta Hawks. See, when you're talking about building a process, you don't say, oh, lose to the Hawks and Trey Young was injured. You don't say Ben Simmons has some zeros in the fourth quarter and then he falls out of favor with the team, with the city. And before you know it, that may be the last time he played with the squad. So Doc is a championship coach. He's been around the game for a long time. But there's only so much you can do as it relates to, like, the championship pitcher. Tobias Harris is a terrific all-star level player. I love Maxi. I'm glad he's getting the chance to play. Um, I'm not surprised with how well he's doing. Um, I, I knew he had this potential. Um, Thibault, we know him to be one of the best defenders in the game. Like, they have some good pieces. Seth Curry has a better three-point shooting percentage than his brother. Okay. And so they have some pieces. 
But when you're talking about winning the East, you either need your best player to do like a Giannis, and that would be an Embiid, or you would need Embiid and Simmons, who's not playing, to lift you there. And then lastly, we talked about Doc. Let's talk about Duro. You hope you bring him in to now move in. So you hope you're looking around the league now and you're kicking the tires. Hey, what happens in with the Nets if Kyrie doesn't come back? Will KD have to choose between Harden and Kyrie at the end of the year? What happens in Portland with Dame and CJ McCollum? So now it's on Daryl to see if he can now make a move for Ben to get Joel that second player that now Doc can see if he can lift them to the Eastern Conference crown. Yeah, Jillian, you're you're referencing Daryl Morey. Lots have been made. I, I remember being out in Philly for training camp, you know, getting to hear. And every, the uniform at training camp was, the message part of me was very uniform at training camp, which was, hey, we're going to go with the guys that are here. And I've said this a ton on the podcast as well, that the longer the Sixers are playing well, the less the pressure on Morey to make a move. And at eight and two, nobody was talking about, hey, we got to figure this thing out right away. But now at 14 and 12, where the goodwill from that start has kind of started to wear off. When you look at this from your perspective, you spent 13 seasons in the league. You look at Daryl Morey and the way he's handled it. Do you agree with the patient approach? Or do you think that he's got to look to make a move sooner than later? Might not be able to get an all-star level guy like Dame or maybe for a guy like CJ McCollum. I think that when you bring in Daryl and you bring in Doc, there has to be two distinct things there because both of them had established themselves at, as two of the best at what they do. For Doc, it should be develop Ben on the floor and or maximize Ben and Joel, either when they're on the floor together or when one's on the floor and the other one is. And for Daryl, it should have been do these parts fit long-term? And if I think they don't fit long-term, then you got to move sooner rather than later. And then when you lose to the Hawks and Ben struggles, now he becomes the asset that you go from getting an all-star from last year's game or maybe this year's game to now maybe taking cents on a dollar, depending on what kind of deal you end up with. And so for Daryl, I think you – you had a chance to move, but the problem is when Ben plays poorly and then doesn't show up at camp, he has to, and I've said this the entire time, play back up his value. Like, this is sports. And so the last time he was out there, he struggled. So now I can't move you unless you come back and train a camp in shape. Unlike a James Harden situation, right? You come back in shape. You get off to a great season, get off to a great start instead of the team right now being 14 and 12, the team's 20 and six, then things look a lot different. And so now each side isn't going to really get what they want unless the Philadelphia 76ers are willing to take lesser of a deal. And the way it seems like Daryl has dug in and acknowledged since Ben has multiple years left on his contract that they'd be willing to wait that out and have the patience to wait that out. This becomes, and it depends on what you, again, are your expectations of Philly. Were you happy when they six and two or eight and two? And did you think that team was going to actually win the East? Or are you now understanding that this is the reality? They're going to be a good team, not a great team without Ben Simmons. 
that situation basically has sabotaged their season. Jalen, you can put on your general manager hat since we already mentioned you do everything else anyways. How would you have handled this? Would you, would you look at this and say, hey, as Daryl Morey, we got an MVP candidate in Joel Embiid in the prime of his career. Like you mentioned, big men not don't really age too well, especially in the NBA. Would you look at this and say, and we've heard Daryl Morey, you know, come out and, and speak about it saying, I'll wait four years if I have to, which is Ben Simmons contract length. I don't think either of us or majority of the basketball world is dumb enough to believe that'll be the case. But when you're looking at this from Morey's perspective, and if you were the general manager, would you look at the short term with the Sixers right now where like, like you mentioned, Hey, maybe we'll take a trade for CJ McCollum. Again, very good player might not move the needle towards being a champion, but gives you some immediate help. Or do you look at this and say, Hey, Let's wait to see what happens with the situation in OKC. Wait to see what happens with the situation in Portland, where if things start going off the rails, that maybe these teams will make a move sooner than later. How would you play this if, if you were in Daryl Morey's situation? You only bring in Daryl to do deals. That, that's the only reason why you bring him in. And for me, and by the way, you do this job every day for 20 years the way I have. Of course, you're going to swing and miss and be wrong on a lot of stuff. But in turn, to do this a lot of time, for as long as I have, you got to be right a lot as well. And here's one thing I've got a chance to talk a lot about. Feeling like the puzzle pieces of Ben and, jo of ben and Joel just didn't fit long term. I've said that for years. When Ben got drafted, I said I felt like he was shooting with the wrong hand. And people took it as like I was hating on Philly or I was hating on him. I really like Ben. I love tall point guards for anybody that ever watched basketball. That's like my favorite thing to watch. Magic Johnson, Penny Hardaway, you know, Steve Smith. Like, that's my favorite. So I, I love Ben Simmons, by the way. I love his game. But you bring in Daryl to do deals. And years ago, I felt long-term, if Joel can't give me 75 regular season games, that means I'm going to need a secondary star that could carry it during the regular season. Kind of like the Lakers hope Anthony Davis can do for LeBron at this point of his career. You need that guy. That's why they're hovering around 500. The same thing. You need Anthony Davis. You need Ben Simmons. You need um, James Harden. Like that secondary star to actually play like that in particular in the regular season. And so I always felt like when they signed Daryl, it was going to be deal immediately. That, because that's what I felt like, okay, they see what I see. And especially when they lose Jimmy. Like when, when you lose Jimmy and you and basically make a choice between Ben and Jimmy and you choose Ben, and then you bring in Daryl, for me, that's like, oh, the organization about to make moves. So when that did not happen, I felt like, they lost a grand opportunity to maximize an asset in trading Ben Simmons. Jalen, ultimately, how do you think this whole thing plays out? Like, if, if you're looking at this, the trade deadline coming up literally two months from today, recording this on Friday, December 10th. So you're looking at this and saying two months away. But when you just think about it as an analyst and obviously as a big hoops guy, how do you think the situation plays out ultimately for the Sixers? Sixers got to get lucky. And... If you're a Sixers fan, you're hoping Kyrie doesn't come back this year. Because at the end of the year, those relationships with the Nets can't be the same if he doesn't play all season. Because that's going to get in the way of their team goals. 
And so to me, that now puts KD in a position to basically choose between Kyrie and James Harden. So maybe there's a chance that James Harden shakes loose. He has a relationship with Daryl Morey. They both were in Houston together. It's a, it, it could be considered a long shot. James Harden has said he likes being with the Nets. Um, he's at times um, showed a level of disinterest out on the floor. Look at the play in particular against the Pistons when the ball rolled into the backcourt and he kind of just let it roll by speed. And the guy picked it up on the other team and dunked it. But then he's had his moments where he's had his triple-doubles. I mean, he is considered one of the top 75 players of all time. So if you're Philly, you're hoping that James may shake loose at the end of the year. You're probably hoping if Dame gets healthy that he becomes the trade piece, not necessarily C.J. McCollum, um, because of, you know, Dame was an all-star last year. He's one of the top 10 players when he's healthy in the league. Those are two players that stand out. You're looking at Indiana. I've heard some rumblings about them wanting to do some shakeup. I would love to see Sabonis and Embiid play together. I would love that. You think that's a good now, fit? That, like, I think he's an – absolutely, because Sabonis can dribble, pass, and shoot. And so now he can uh, feed Joel and vice versa, but they both can, can, can grab every rebound and, like, just be big out there. And also he can be a guy that can play when Joel may miss games or that type of thing up front. But he's not necessarily, quote, unquote, considered a marquee name. But if you follow the league and you're not a casual, you really know, like, Sabonis got game. He can ball. And so um, those, those are names that come up for me that if you're Philly, you hope that you can be in conversations about those guys. And then if I'm – if I, I don't even – I don't even want to say this. The Celtics shouldn't be considering trading Jalen Brown. I know that that's probably been some rumblings or whatever, but that 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 would be dumb. And so – those are probably, if you're Philly, that you hope if some of the names become available to you, that you can try to, you know, get those players for a player like Ben Simmons. Uh, Jalen, we're, we're all, I think, looking forward to seeing this situation play. You know, it's been a mess since they lost to the Hawks in, in seven in June. And, and so, I mean, don't get me wrong, from a content perspective, great. <laughs> you could keep on the going to Ben Simmons stuff. But I think, you know, for the Sixers on the court, you do want to see this get resolved sooner than later. Uh, we'll wrap up with this. I'm going to give you some rapid fire questions, get your opinion on things. Uh, first one for you, on a scale from zero to 100, you mentioned this player specifically. Neil Olshay is now gone. Assistant GM Jim Cronin came out. He's the interim GM in Portland. Uh, came out gangbusters and saying, hey, I was built for this and I'm trying to put together a contender. He was saying that late on, on Thursday evening. But uh, on a scale from zero to 100, what do you think the percentage is that Dame Lillard ends up in a Sixers uniform? The percentage he ends up in a Sixers uniform? I would say... Fifteen percent. Okay. Okay. That's not going to give Philly fans hope, Jalen. So just so you know, <laughs> but I think I'm pretty sure that's the guy that they're that's the guy that they're aiming for. Um, next one for you. Yeah, Corp. that, that yeah, right, that's going to be a tough one. I, I think that's going to be a tough deal to get done. Yeah, and especially considering the the pieces and and again Portland looking to retool. Um, I don't know how much Sixers fans should have their hopes up of that, but it seems like that is the guy they're targeting. Uh, you grew up in Detroit, big Michigan Wolverines fan. Of course, they're in the in the college football playoff. 
Uh, I'm also sorry to say that you're a Detroit Lions fan. We can talk about that off air and we can have a little <laughs> therapy session there too. But um, yes, yes. Even, even if you're not around, any, there are places and around anymore. And when you get to go back home, what has always been or what was your favorite go-to restaurant? Wow. Um, I still live in Detroit. And I'm trying to think of where I was eating just last week. I was eating at Fish Bones downtown. Um, I like beans and cornbread. I like, uh, oh, man, I just went to a, um, a great chicken and waffles on Livinois the other day. I believe it's called Cuzzles. Um, that was awesome. Um, 1940 Chop House. Central Kitchen downtown. Um, I guess that's more than one, right? No, that's okay. Yeah, I we, love we, my city. <laughs> I, I, I could go on. I could tell you the ones I love growing up. Dotnetta's Majors. Um, yeah, so yeah, Detroit has a great um, and emerging um, restaurant scene. And uh, I encourage any of you guys to check out any of those spots I just named if you're ever in the city. Also very close to Canada, Windsor, Ontario as well. Where, well, I'm not from Ontario, but a Canadian guy too. So it's always a, always a sense of pride for us there. Uh, you're a big hip-hop guy. You mentioned in an interview I saw online from a couple of years ago, Jay-Z at the top of the mountain for you. But let's get to know the softer, more sentimental side of Jalen Rose. Who are your top five R&B singers or groups of all time? Um, my favorite artist, period, is Marvin Gaye. Um just being from the city of Detroit and, and like being immersed in that Motown sound as a child and just like his angelic voice. And for, for those who didn't see, he'd probably done the greatest rendition of the Star Spangled Banner or, or to, to start a game, um, like early eighties, um, a Laker game. So Marvin Gaye, Anita Baker, um, you bring me joy when I'm down. I definitely need a baker. Um, Sade, love is stronger than pride. Um, I would say uh, I'm disappointed that groups don't exist currently. Yeah. I grew up in an era where it's groups, Temptations, OJs, Four Tops, New Edition, you know, Boys to Men. It's, no groups nowadays. I'll say, uh, um, this, is, I, I, this is probably the first time I've been asked this. And I'm actually a DJ too, so it's a tough question. Um, I said, Marvin, let's get it on. What's going on? Marvin, Anita, Sade. I know I'm going to forget somebody. I do it every time I do lists. So I'll say, uh, Got to get a group in there. How about the OJs? Got to get the people what they want. And last but certainly not least, I would say, uh, trying to think of a good one. How about, uh, uh, I'll go group. I'll go new edition with Bobby Brown. Okay. I, I love new edition too. And I'm, I'm about an era after you, because I grew up where Jagged Edge, Jodeci had me feeling like I was falling in love every time I was at the club. Of course, that was always temporary, but <laughs> I do remember that. Shout out to Come and talk to me. I really want to be you, girl. 
those are great. I mean, those were such, you know, I remember like at that time, and like you mentioned, there's You're no like, groups. You look so sexy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you really, you grinding. <laughs> My mom's going to watch us, so she thought I was out actually studying and reading, so let's not let's not uh, get too much into the details of what I was doing. But uh, last couple ones for you. Funniest NBA teammate you had throughout your career? Funniest NBA teammate, I would say uh, Dikembe Mutombo. Uh, I, I'll give it to D. He's a funny guy. I love the big fella. And you see him out on the floor blocking shots. But, man, he's a, he, he's a jokester, definitely. So I'll say Dikembe. Yeah, I love his commercial. I forget which insurance company it was, but he's doing the finger in it. I can't get enough of that one for some reason. And his voice is legendary. I don't think you'll yeah. ever hear anybody have a voice like that yeah. again. Uh, who was the most eccentric yeah. NBA teammate you had in terms of how they carry themselves and how they dressed? Who, who was the one memorable guy for you? Uh, that you would look at is that? I would say that that has to be uh, eccentric. Um, let me think of Andy, let me think of that. Let me think of, I would say, uh, I hate to say that I probably was that guy in the room. <laughs> Did I, that start I, with the red suit at the at the draft there is that where it began yeah 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 i think i i might have been that guy in the room i'm trying to think of who that was but i'm look you know sometimes they say when you uh point um one finger at others it's a couple pointing back at yourself so uh i think that fingers is pointing back at me well, we appreciate the eccentricness of Mr. Jalen Rose so far. <laughs> uh, guys you played with in the NBA, you still remain actually close friends with to this day. Mark Jackson. That's a good one. Um, one of the top assist guys. Actually, he was a Raptor at one point. How about the Raptors had Akeem Olajuwon late in his career? That's right. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, how about the Raptors drafted Rafael Araujo? I was so upset. Anyway, um, yeah, Mark Jackson. Like Babcock era, wasn't that? Is a, is a, yeah, yeah. Took him seven. Sure did. Yeah, that Didn't was help bad. the playoff push at that point. Oh, that was yeah. a terrible pick. I, I remember that too. Uh, you you made, I mean, I look at the Vince Carter trade too, where you, that's pennies on the dollar. Hopefully we don't see the Sixers end up doing that. Um, you played for the Nuggets, Pacers, Bulls, Raptors, Knicks, and Suns throughout your 13-year career. Now, if you could go back and relive your time in the NBA – Everything goes exactly as it was back then, but you get to skip one of those stops. Which one would it be? If I had to skip a stop, I would skip the next stop. Really? Be yep, because I was only there for 20 games. I think that was the shortest stint I had with any team. And so I believe I knew I was getting traded. And not only did I did it happen, it happened when the two teams played one another. So I woke up in my place in Toronto, and I left with the Knicks players on the plane after the game. And overall, I probably only ended up playing maybe 20 games with the team. And so uh, I probably would skip that stop. All right, and final one for you, Jalen. Love the work that you do as an analyst. Of course, you're one of the best, in my opinion. Right now, I know we're barely over a quarter into the season. Who are the four teams that you have from the East and the West, or the two from each, getting into the conference finals this year? Oh, that's easy. In the West, is the Warriors and the Suns. Steph Curry has been outstanding. And 
the way he shoots the three and the way his ball handling is, the way he's able to get him unassisted is just incredible. And uh, CP3 and Devin Booker and Aiden have been terrific. They led the team to the finals last year. In the East, I would say the Bucks. I believe up until a couple of games ago, they were like 11-0 and when their big three played. So I'll say the Bucks, and I'll say the Nets. Kevin Durant is just so very good. Like, uh, when I get confused, I'm like, KD going to at least get him to the conference finals. So um, those are the four squads. All right, Jalen, I appreciate you taking the time out to do this. I know you are a busy man, so thanks for taking the time out and, uh, and joining me on the podcast today. Thanks a lot. I appreciate the love. All right, that's Jalen Rose. You can catch him on NBA Countdown Saturday at 8 Eastern. He'll be with the rest of the crew as they get you set for the primetime showdown between Joel Embiid and the Sixers, Steph Curry and the Warriors. And before I wrap up, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, check us out online at libertyballers.com.